Hey guys, Jared here with the Shooting Institute. Here with Mike Rebels today, bring you this episode of Simplify the Chaos. <laughs> Old Grumples, all right. So, uh, so. Last week we did the uh, kind of like the founder story, kind of where I started from with coming out of the SEAL team, starting TSI, where it started up in Indiana, and uh, then basically naming everybody that has been involved in this <laughs> this growth process of TSI. Basically throwing everybody under the bus. Throwing everybody under the bus. Everybody can get sued. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in doing that, we... Uh, Obviously mentioned you and kind of where where you came into into play. So we'll have some fun stories here for uh, for a little bit at some point in time. But tell me how you you know I mean obviously I know people people that were talking hey there's a you know Navy SEAL coming to work here or whatever. But how did you hear about me? What did you think? And then uh, and then our first interaction. First interaction I recall was when you gave me a call coming back from Indiana. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you had done a <clears throat> well you were in the academy towards the end of the academy and you had. You broke away uh, that weekend and taught yes. a class, which which probably you weren't supposed to do, but you never did anything you weren't supposed to do. That's right, that's right. And uh, you had heard, I was a sergeant on one of the night shifts, and you had heard you were coming to my shift, I believe it was. It was. And uh, so um, just introduced yourself. I knew you, you had uh, been around, but I hadn't got a chance to, to actually meet you yeah. face-to-face. So well, we probably talked for about an hour on the phone while I was, tooling around at night and you were driving back from Indiana. That's right. And uh, just... Because uh, I'd flown... <clears throat> that's right. Yeah, I remember... Well, I remember talking to you because I remember it was raining and it was late at night and I was trying to get back to get to the academy because it, we had to be back Sunday evening. Mm. And I'd flown up Friday. We came out and somebody flew down to pick me up Friday afternoon in, a, in that private airplane down there at Shelby County uh, yeah. Airport. You said the weather was too bad to fly yeah, back. Weather was so too bad to fly back. back. Yeah, so I had to rent a car and, and drive back. But yeah, <clears throat> going up there and run classes. Um, well, basically, you had told me about all the people who had introduced themselves to you and um, had uh, just tried to, uh, you know, become your at buddies. The, at the sheriff's stuff. office. At the sheriff's yeah, office. Yeah, yeah, the sheriff's office. So I tried to. Uh, Steer you in the right direction on who to, uh, you know, trust. who to trust and who not to trust. <laughs> who not to trust. Uh, who was Little did I know I shouldn't have trusted Rebels. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, uh, and vice versa. Just, yeah, who knows? I remember uh, so a good buddy of mine, Jacob Bradley, who uh, I guess you had known through some friends or y'all had done a few things together. He told me. Uh, he told me about you, and then there was somebody else, and I can't even remember who it was. He said, these are the guys you need to find in the Shelby County Sheriff's Office. And he said, Mike Rebels, and I can't even remember who the other person was. Obviously, I didn't develop a relationship with him. You, because you were the sergeant of the shift I went to. But uh, uh, he also told me one time, he said he was talking to somebody, and I thought of Jacob, he just texted me right here. He told me one time, he said, uh, he said somebody was saying something like, yeah, that Mike Rebels, and he, and he started to say something, Jacob said, the way it sounded like it was going is it's going to be negative, you know, and Jacob said, hey, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and stop you right there. And the guy said, well, what do you mean? He said, I don't know what you're going to say about the guy, but if it's negative, I don't want to hear it because I like the guy and I don't want to stop liking him. <laughs> That's what Jacob said when I busted out laughing because I thought that was uh, 
that's a good way to approach life, I guess, yeah. right? Um, well, I mean, yeah, so you go, you go through life and you learn that there's certain ways to go about doing things. And I've learned that, that you know, there is a way of presenting certain things depending on your audience or who yeah. you're dealing with. If you're dealing with, and you knew this in the teams, you're dealing with a team or a group of guys, Navy SEALs, and my background is when I took over the SWAT team as the entry team leader, nobody was on the same page. Nobody was doing it. It was like a good old boys club. And, and I was told by the commander, get rid of that mentality, get rid of that style, um, create a group of guys that are willing to work hard, take criticism and get better. And the only way to do that is, is to cut the fat. So since we've kind of, you know, we've kind of segued into this and which is fine. What is your, I mean, I, I know the answer to this question, but for people out there listening to here, what is your, uh, your thought on, on that type of individuals? You know, it's to, to me, it's almost like they want the, they want the, the SWAT emblem. They want the, they want the badge. They want the uniform. They want the prestige of being something that is maybe greater than themselves, but they, but they don't want to put in the effort required to maintain that. And I'll give you just a quick, for instance, in the SEAL teams, one thing guys, you always used to hear, you hear old timers say it, and you hear guys, I still hear guys say, you know, earn your trident every day. That's what they say, earn your trident every day. Yeah. Um, you know, so you would go out and you would, just because you had a, a trident yesterday and you were a SEAL yesterday, don't mean you're one today. You've got to go out and earn it every single day. And so tell me what's your thoughts on guys like that? Because it sounds like that, that a lot of that mentality is the mentality of a guy who thinks, hey, I'm here, I made it, you know, and they yeah. don't really have to do anything else. Well, you can go all the way back into certain guys getting into law enforcement. You know, you don't know what their background is, but a lot of times you can tell that, that maybe they were uh, bullied or they were yeah. a coward or they couldn't do, you know, uh, you know, just felt like, well, if I get that badge, that's my first step, then I can become something that I never was, you know. It, there's very few guys that don't need that badge to be the person that they are, if that makes sense, you know. Um, you know. No, yeah. Um, and then when they get into law enforcement, they see that the SWAT team is supposed to be a cut above the rest, and so they try to get on a SWAT team. And, and a lot of teams are – there are some teams that are really good about who they pick and choose to be on their teams and the process to get on a team. But then again, there's a lot that have become complacent. And again, it becomes a good old boy club where, hey, that's my buddy, let's put him on the team. Uh, we can create the man that we want as opposed to bringing that man in there that you want, man or, you know, these days, woman, and uh, training them to be the and, you know, we both kind of hate that the operator that they're supposed to be or the yeah. tactician that they're supposed to be. <laughs> to me, a leader is not created. A leader already has the heart and the drive and the mentality to lead, but sometimes you have to mold them to become a good leader. I don't think you can become a leader by not having any of those, any of those, um, uh, um, what would you call, any of those uh, characteristics attributes, yeah. or attributes uh, and then say, hey, read these books on leadership, and then, uh, bam, and you're a leader. A leader. Yeah. yeah, it's not going to work. Now, you can read books on from good leaders if you already have those attributes or characteristics and become a better leader. Right. Because um, <clears throat> there's a lot to learn, and there's a lot of ways of being a leader that, um, depending on who you're leading, it work, may work for this group or it may work for, not work for that group. Um, you know, 
It's uh, like being a leader of a SWAT team is going to be different than like my wife is now a nurse manager and she's having to lead these nurses. Well, you can't lead a group of nurses the same way you lead a, a group of team. you know guys that are on a tag team or a SEAL team or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, and, and a lot of times you don't find out what the true heart of a warrior is until they're put into yeah. a situation. And I, we ran into that a couple of times on the team. And, you know, I can go into that. Though. There was one, and I'll try to be real quick. One situation it ended up being a murder-suicide, but we didn't know the guy committed suicide. We thought there was a guy in this apartment building with an AK-47 waiting on us. And it was a very bad, uh, dangerous apartment complex where there was no way to get in there without being exposed. So we were just going to have to hang it out there, go in and do utilize what we had learned to keep ourselves as safe as possible. But we had to go in and arrest this guy. Um, and so I'm in there. I'm, I'm in a, the, the last point of cover and concealment, the last safe place. And I, 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 I had to look at guys, look them in the eye and say, hey, look, guys, this is, this is dangerous. Um, I need to know that you're willing to die with me if we go in this place and i i could see it in a couple guys eyes and they weren't willing and i just i let them stay back or you can they, have some point aside on that one and tell you hey yeah i'm not you know i've got i, I, you know, like I just got a young child and i don't think this is for me you know so you know up until that point it was just fun being on the team <clears throat> because you know we hadn't had any really tough situations like that but there again you know until you're faced with it Sometimes you really don't know what your own heart is. Your own, you know, your own, your own. You're capable of doing yourself. So, and what about what are your thoughts? So, so training obviously <clears throat> helps prepare you for whatever it is that you know it's, mm -hmm. that, that you run into. Um, what about the selection process? I know for us in buds going through seal training, the biggest thing is that the front end buds, basically underwater demolition seal, right? The front end, especially first phase, the first three weeks, and then the fourth week being hell week. You got some end dock and all that stuff before, before, uh, before the first phase of buds. That's difficult. But then when you're done with hell week, you know you lose most of your guys. You know that's when most of your people quit. But then you got second phase. You got you know pool competency, right? You got pool comp. You got third phase, which is land warfare, and you got a lot of stuff. And I would say you probably. We probably got beat worse. I'd bet second phase was probably the worst, you know, but third phase was pretty bad too, especially when you go to the island. So it's the selection process is never ending. They're always beating the crap out of you, but mm -hmm. they get the majority of the people out of the pipeline at the front end of the course. Yeah. Now, and I don't know where the pipeline has gone now. I know they have a little more preparation and all that stuff with Bud's prep and all, but when I went through, you went to boot camp. They had a thing at boot camp that you go to. Like everybody else gets up at five, when you're getting up at like three thirty and running over to swim and run and do all that stuff because you're part of the buds program or whatever. Well, you go through that. We lost a lot of guys on that end just because they're like, I don't want to wake up early, so they mm -hmm. ditched their contract and got another contract to re-rate in the navy as something else. Uh, then you go to, for us, it was scruff duty, and you're in that selection process, and then they're selecting the highest performers to go to buds. And you're, you know, still getting, you're running out in the snow, you're in the stand in the snow, they're spraying you with a water hose, you're swimming, you're working out, you're doing all this stuff. Um, then you go to Buds and you're in, you know, your, your pre-Buds is kind of an end doc, right? You got indoctrination of, and you go through that process, uh, which is a couple weeks long and you're always testing, you're losing guys. You're, and generally speaking, nobody's quitting at this time. 
you're just losing guys for not meeting the standard. You're losing mm-hmm. those guys who are who are minimum standard makers, but now they're not meeting the standard. You're losing them. Um, do you want to stop for a second? It's fine. We can stop for a second. I have to take a piss anyway, so. Yeah. Anyway, indoctrination. So, so we have indoctrination, right? And, and, and so you have it indoc, you got guys going through, but it, all the way up to first phase, you kind of indoc and before that going up to first phase, you lose guys because of injury and because of physical performance, right? They couldn't meet whatever the standard was, like, you know, 10 pull ups or swim 500 meters in when 10 minutes. When do they minutes, teach whatever. all to cuddle, like, front to back? I know we're always doing that. Line. They don't have to okay. teach that. Okay. It's <laughs> just, teach that. It's just it's, natural. That's kind of yeah, that's that's, kind of man that that's they kind of man out. that they bring <laughs> in. Yeah, we did have this thing that they would always say we were cold in first phase. Somebody would, uh, you know, Jared. You met Jared Ogden. You know oh, Ogden. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you asked Ogden about this. We're class two six four. Who's our OSC? But we we called it man ball, and everybody somebody hold up their hand and go man ball, and everybody would <laughs> get together make a big man ball so you could heat because <laughs> it's you know San Diego is flipping cold, especially during the winter. Big, it actually flurried on the beach Ogden. a little bit. Yeah, wow. big Ogden in the man yeah. ball. We had a telling stories before I get back into Indoc. Joe Burns, all right, crazy Joe Burns. You look at the class two, three, four videos. Joe Burns is a old guy with white hair. You know, he is like an old buzz instructor. He's a an officer, and one day he drove, he drove his old Jeep around. So he was he had been in the SEAL teams forever. His brother was in. He's and he was. Uh, I don't know what command he was at at that time. You know, he was West Coast, and he went to East Coast to, you know, SEAL Team 6, and he went back out in the West Coast. I mean, he'd been all over. He'd been at every command. Everybody knows him, right? He's a crazy old mean guy. And we're in Buds, and Joe Burns comes driving by in his, in his Jeep. And Ogden is, you know, he's our OIC, leading the class on the run. We'd run to Chow every day. So he'd run like six miles a day just going back and forth to, to the, you know, Chow Hall. And he says, Who's the leader of this class? Who's the OIC? So we have to all kind of stop and run in place. And he calls him, get over here. And he says, and he, you know, I guess Ogden tells him his name and his time or whatever. And all we hear him saying, he's screaming at him. He says, uh, he says, Mr. Ogden, he said, you're going to absolutely kill these guys running them this fast. He said, this is a time where you're not supposed to run as hard as you can. Just get to the chow hall. Give them a little bit of break, eat, and then get back. Don't be killing your guys like this. Hoo-yah, Mr. Burns! Get out of here, Mr. Ogden! And Ogden runs over, you know. So we all kind of slow it down and run. The very next day, at the exact same time, we're out there just kind of, we're like, just barely moving, just slow rolling with Ogden. (laughs) Mr. Ogden! (laughs) He goes over there, Joe Burns is like, what are you doing? <laughs> told him, you know, cussing up and down. Saying, uh, you need to pick up the pace. This ain't some walking around Marine Corps training. <laughs> Something like that. Ogden's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> now we're just hauling. <laughs> so anyway, so that's the type of stuff, though, that you're that you're yeah. dealing with on a regular basis all the time in Buzz. That's what people don't understand. Like, that's the stuff that makes people quit. Like, you've got guys, you're always... It's like it's like living in like uh, kind of what we're going to in this nation a a police state where like mm. Big Brother's always looking at you. Yeah. You're always like always wondering you know, who's 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 looking at me. Who's gonna check my knife to see if it's sharp? Mm. Who's gonna mess with me? Or one instructor pull your knife and bash it on the pavement mm. and put it back in your sheath, and then the next instructor will come behind and say, "Well, this isn't sharp," yeah. <laughs> you know. So I mean, you just you can't win, right? right. And so that is where you constantly yeah. live at, and you're getting used to that. So there. They're getting rid of a lot of those people who can't meet the standard, who can't hold to that. They're just constantly 
uh, messing up, but not a lot of quitters during that time. Right. Okay, there's not a lot of quitters. And then first phase hits, and then it's like you think it's bad until first <laughs> phase hits, and you're like, "Holy crap!" And then it's just terrible. And uh, Hell Week, you know, and that's where you lose all your people all the way up to Hell Week, and then Hell Week gets there, and you lose people during Hell Week, and you'll go from I think our class started at 366, and you know, I don't remember what we started Hell Week with, what we finished with, all that. But by the time everybody that got their bird and graduated, I think it was 32 total, so less than 10% mm-hmm. of our of our starting class, which was a huge class at the time. I yeah. think we were one of the biggest classes ever to go through. So um, now I think they've got four and 500 person classes, but wow. they still hold to the same percent, right? Still like 10%. Yeah. Um, so I say all that to say, at that front end though, they are cutting the fat, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. They're they're getting that guy. Who can who can cut it and can be trained? Because then you because yeah. when you're done with first phase, you uh, you'll you'll learn the old like lead slate. You know uh, you know do basically you know like what they used to do in World War Two. They would like take measurements of the depth. You know they drop these little like a plumb oh, yeah, line yeah. down the and UDT then so, guys. Yep, that's so you're doing the UDT Marking stuff. Marking the yep. um, uh, the barriers so, for ships or landing craft and all that stuff. So you do all that at the end of first phase, but you actually start learning. You start learning stuff, you know, you learn how to take soundings physically and mm-hmm. do all that stuff. And actually, they did that at the beginning of the Persian Gulf, I was told. That was the last time that, that yeah. we did that. And, that. and they used seals to do it. But they, they do that, and uh, or you learn that, and then you go into second phase. You start learning dive tables and how to dive and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you go into third phase. You learn land warfare. And how. So now at that point, it's kind of a performance level where maybe you get a medical drop or a roll or whatever. Um but you lose everybody on the front end because they're finding the guys that don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I go back to what Scripture says. And the psalmist says, you you knew me in my mother's womb. You knit me together. You know, it's, it's David talking about mm-hmm. God knowing who he was. And I think it's kind of the same thing. If everybody was supposed to be a seal, yeah. then every man would go out and be a seal. You know, mm-hmm. or I guess, women, well, there haven't been any women go through training yet, but I guess they've opened it up to women. And if everybody was supposed to, then guess what? Everybody would. But... Everybody wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. well, a lot of people lot don't of people, want to be. A lot of people want to be, but well, yeah. still can't make but it. But can't make it. And then a lot of people don't even want to try, mm-hmm. you know. And so now for law enforcement, you've got a lot of people that want to be a law enforcement officer and oftentimes for the wrong reasons. Yeah. But there isn't a selection process that's put in place, it seems like, that cuts those people that shouldn't be there out. Well, is think, that, a, is that an inaccurate assessment? Yeah, well... The problem is there's a lot of guys that want to be for the right reasons, and it's a, it's an honorable profession if you look at what it was created for. Um, there's a lot of people that want it just for a job, you know, easy job, retirement, and, and they think it's easy anyway. Sleep in a car, um, yeah, you know, in yeah. back alley somewhere. Uh-huh, and wear the badge, have authority, you know, yeah. and have the, the ability to take somebody's life. You know, I've got that power. Some are just power-hungry. But regardless, I think there was a time that the process was a lot tougher. Uh, and you could weed those people out that didn't need to be there. And, you know, our society, though, is such a coddling society that, you know, we don't hurt anybody's feelings. We can't say things. Liability-wise, um, you know, everybody's suing everybody just because, you know, I mean, just because who you who you follow or who you like or who you vote for, I mean, you can't even, you know, I mean, poor guy that my pillow guy, he can't even, you know, can't sell a pillow anymore. Sell a pillow anymore just because he liked Donald Trump. It's ridiculous. But uh, 
So nowadays, the department is so worried about the repercussions of running somebody off that didn't need to be there and how they did it. How they went about running this person, it was, it was too tough. They yelled at me, you know, they made me roll around the mud. Um, so I quit and now I want to sue you because I think you didn't like me because of whatever reason it may be. Um, so that's that concern. And then there's the other side where <clears throat> I went through Birmingham's Academy. You got hired by Birmingham. They put you through their Academy. They were pretty tough on us. I mean, they, they yelled and screamed. We did push-ups. We did all the stuff, but they, you know, but they still, ha they still needed to pass a certain amount of people to get them out on the streets because there were beats that weren't covered. There were, you know, guys that were having to work overtime and extra shifts. And, you know, they had a amount of officers that they needed to hire. So they're going to try to help push people through. And sometimes those people didn't need to be pushed through, if that makes yeah. sense. Sometimes you just got to, you, you know, I, I think that, well, here we go. Then we, then we go to the certain, the other academies that aren't run by, their city or the state, like Montgomery's Academy, is super tough. Like Northeast, heard. where I went. Right? Northeast Academy, it's kind of a, it's run through um, Jacksonville State. Yeah. So it's um, they, the departments send people from every department around the state. They pay to have that person put through the academy, and if that person doesn't make it, they, I, I don't think they get paid. Right? They don't. They make more money by getting this person through. So they're going to try to do everything they can to make this person pass the academy, to get this person to their department. Now, there are standards, I mean, the minimum standards of physical fitness and shooting that they can't get past, but there's ways of giving them enough tries to where they can finally make it through. I mean, golly, it's not that hard. Um, so the problem there is what I see, okay, so... You did everything you could to get this person through. Okay, the city needed that person on the street. Yeah. Okay, so they passed minimum standard. Well, they passed. All right, good. Well, we'll get you. We'll train you up once you get out on the road with a good field trained officer. Well, that never seems to work out because you can't change who that person really yeah. is. To me, it's going to cost that department a whole lot more down the road if you look at the big picture. Then let's say, let's just pick out a number. It costs five grand to put them through the academy. What if this guy makes a terrible decision out on the road and it ends up costing that city a million? In lawsuits and lawsuits and, all that stuff, and yeah. complaints, and they're going to pay out as opposed to going to court 99% of the time. So, anyway, that person ends up costing that department a lot more money if they would have just on the front end said, hey, look, if this guy doesn't cut it or this person doesn't cut it, cut him loose. We'll find somebody else. And we'll take our losses, that 5000 you can keep that, you know, whatever the department, how they work out their contract with preparing, you know, putting this guy through the academy. We'd rather take that loss up front than take some big loss because this, you know, idiot Down the road or whatever. did something stupid. Um, but, yeah. So, so. so let's, uh, we'll go ahead and start wrapping this up. So, uh, but one, one funny story they want to, uh, kind of go over a, a story maybe that we have and i think you know you and i both you know agree the uh the uh the stand at uh, uh where was that at what was that neighborhood the, that was um what was that place it was right there off uh, behind that Cobb valley fire station <laughs> now we're gonna draw a blank over there uh, it was right across from where i used to live at one yeah. time what's that place called 
Was it that they, they had the, they got the good antipasta salad there at that pizza yeah. place? Yeah. What is that right, place called? Forty one, right there off of Highway Forty One, right Shelby 41. County. Um, man, Ben, do you know what that place called over there off of? Uh, like <laughs> little town homes? No, no it's, it's uh, like a it's like little Mount Laurel. Mount Laurel, that's it. Mount Laurel, yeah, Mount Laurel. yeah the, the the stand at Mount Laurel. So we were. So you and I were in the parking lot somewhere. Oh, we were inside the Taj Mahal over there. The uh, oh, the Shell the, station. Yeah, that gas station. That's a real right. nice one. We called the Taj. <laughs> We were inside the Taj Mahal drinking coffee yeah. and talking, and it was, was probably it? two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, two thirty. Like, yeah, it's definitely after early midnight. After yeah, it was early morning, morning or you know maybe a little bit after midnight around that time. We got the, and it was a call of my beat. It was it wasn't my beat. It was uh, somebody else's beat, but they were on a call. It was I think John Carr and somebody else was supporting uh, like a domestic on the other side of town. Mm -hmm. So there's two of them. And we're standing there just kind of listening to radio, and the call goes out, and it falls on my beat. Well, and it falls to you because you're because the, I was the next the, beat. The, that's right, I was the next beat over. Mm. So and I was like, and it was uh, a guy with a guy with a gun. Well, right? a guy had the wife called, said yeah. her husband pointed, a, loaded a rifle up, stuck it in her that's face, right. and pulled the trigger, and but it did, didn't go did, off. Did they say that on dispatch, or did she tell you that when you pulled up? No, no, they told that on dispatch over the radio because yeah, we were going. We full were fighting speed. each other we to get out the door. I had a nice car, and you had Dude, a terrible car. I had I that. Passed you. I had that Crown Vic as a top double Oak Mountain. Was at one thirty-five, and it wasn't going any faster, and it was fun. I was like, and I went zoom. You go burning by me in that. You were pissed because what was that? A charger? You had a charger. Charger, yeah. Oh, dude, heck yeah, I was pissed. I mean, I'm racing you there. We're flying to get there. So the lady was still on the phone. We were getting information from dispatch, and she had run, and he had chased her around the block. And well, that's right. Her kid gone, was still upstairs. He was upstairs asleep. Yeah, that's right. And he had gone back into the town home. And she was still outside, like yeah. two, two, two buildings up, or yeah. you know, hundred feet up. And I get there first, and I see her on the phone talking to dispatch. And you could tell it was obviously had to be her. I mean, it's middle of the night, she's crying. I get out, she's giving me information. She There's some neighbors outside too, right? Wasn't there? There, there might have been. I can't remember. I was focused on her, and you pulled up. Yeah, Another deputy up. pulled up. Was that when Matt pulled no, up? No, no, no. Matt wasn't there yet. It was me. I pulled up, and then, and I, and I. Ran, I remember you being there talking to her, and I ran by you went up to the porch. Yeah. And I think and it was I think it was a, a John Carr John, up. Yeah. John was, got there, so I got information on where he was. So we get up there and look in the window, and we see the guy the deep into in the there, room. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't have the rifle with him at that oh, time. Oh, when did I he? when I first walked up there, he had a rifle in his hand okay. like this, and uh, because uh, somebody says, I don't remember who it was, looked at me and said, Oh, it's, it's a it's a barricaded shooter. We need to call the tech team. And, yeah. I, and I remember I looked at him and said, Man, that ain't a barricaded shooter. Son, I am the tech team. <laughs> and yeah. then you walked up there, and by that time he had leaned it up. You know, he was cussing yeah. at us, looking out that big, it was like a big bay window. He was looking out the window. And he had he leaned was, it in that corner. He was corner. behind that high-seated chair. Yeah. So you couldn't really see what he was doing with his hands. He leaned that rifle in that corner, though. Because mm -hmm. remember the that stairs rifle was, right the there. stairs there. He leaned it in the corner by the mm -hmm. stairs, and he had a a Gatorade bottle in the other hand, if I remember yeah. right. So we, I went ahead and opened the door. We, <laughs> we bomb rushed him. I, I had my gun out. No, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I think when we went in, yeah, we opened the door. Yeah, we had our guns out. We opened the door. We hit little corners. And then we went over to Kinda him. Kind of L-shaped him a little it, bit. L-shaped him, yeah. Because uh, it was a little corner-fed room the way that went in. 
yeah, within the stairs going up. So, and then the kitchen was off to our right. And I think I immediately you, you started had slip your, sliding. You had your <laughs> gun. You had your gun. Out. I remember because I put my gun up first because I got the I got the first hit on him because you had your gun out yeah. and we were both closing in. And uh, I put my gun up to go hands on him, and I grabbed his wrist, and he go and he cussed me and pulled his hand. That Gatorade bottle still in his hand. Yeah. When he pulled his hand away, he dropped the Gatorade bottle, and he was turning like this. And you had your gun, and you're kind of I could tell you were going back to put it in. His his whole hand was all slow mo, and I just went hit him, and you put your gun up, and man, we we dragged, we, him we grabbed him, we slammed him on the ground, like and then we all start sliding. Yeah. Yeah. Because he had gone in the refrigerator and he took flipped out all the that stuff, his ketchup eggs. and mustard and eggs and bologna and, and everything was just spread out on the ground, and we were sliding across the floor. Yeah. And then I, then you wanted to say he bit you in the forearm, but yeah. I think you were feeding him your forearm. <laughs> oh you yeah, no, I mean, I definitely, yeah, and, uh, so definitely. Bit, I mean, I would have bit my forearm too if it was just, just stuck in his all mouth, in his face right there. <laughs> but I was on top of him. I could. Then Glassford came in, and you were. Kind of up and down, slipping in that stuff. We were sliding and stuff, yeah, and Glassford came in. Around and Glassford came grabbing his kicked, legs and he stuff. Kicked he kicked Glassford or Judd. He was kicking those guys. They had to fall on his legs. He was a big dude. Yeah, yeah we finally got him handcuffed and got him out of there. Yeah. But yeah, that was uh, that was a trip. Yeah, that was, that was a funny. that was a good time. And you know the the craziest thing is like I don't even know. Uh, I wasn't even mad at him. No, we didn't care. Like we were most, just that's the most fun, fun I've had. <laughs> like, this, this we were excited. Blast. We weren't sitting at the <laughs> yeah. uh, Shell Station, still drinking coffee, bored out of our out of our minds, trying to find something to do. But uh, yeah, yeah, what a crazy night that was. Funny. The thing is, what, what was he? he had a a two forty three rifle or I had a thirty out six rifle. They put a two forty three round in. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, that's, didn't, why, that's why he didn't break his that's wife's why, head that's why he, If he would have killed his wife, no, that'd have been the right round. Would have yeah. killed his wife. Glad he glad he didn't, but uh, who yeah. knows where he's at now. Maybe he found Jesus. Maybe he did. Hopefully yeah. he did. No, that's good, man. appreciate you coming on the, the podcast today. We'll, uh, we'll continue this talk about law enforcement, maybe military training, and some of the standards and stuff later. We can get into, you know, my son's a cop. You know, yeah. My son, you know, so he's yeah, a cop. He's had several yeah. incidents that we grumples, can talk about. Uh, grumples and Grumples Jr. Jr., yeah. So we'll, we'll bring him on and uh, yeah. talk about some of his experiences. And you can talk military and, and – uh, and law enforcement. So yeah, and him fun. and Thickham served in the same, same unit, unit together. Yeah, unit, yeah. yeah. Which was oh. the same unit I was in when I was in the National Guard. It's kind of funny. 150 years ago. Father, son, uh, cops, father, son, Army National Guard. Army National Guard. <laughs> Army National Guard. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if you uh, if you're listening to us, go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and click that subscribe button. Subscribe to the podcast. Go over to YouTube. Bit shoot. Facebook, Instagram, Ben, what else we got? I know you know them. That's it. All that's of, that's that's Rumble, Parlor, all those things. You know? So apparently that's not <laughs> it, right? Go to all of those social media platforms. Yeah, I'm going to look them all up. Keep just naming stuff. Go to those social media platforms. Follow us. Uh, go to YouTube. Click subscribe. Check out some of the videos we've got. Listen up for the, uh, for the next podcast. Uh, we're going to try to keep this content coming out to you all on a regular basis. Uh, We love y'all. God bless you. God bless your family. God bless the USA.